You're listening to The Whatcom Report, a Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce program in partnership with KGMI. Good morning and welcome to The Whatcom Report. It's a program in the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce in partnership with KGMI News Talk. Uh, and this morning, we're going to have a, a conversation uh, with an organization, I will say, maybe the top organization, if not one of, let's say, the top three or top five organizations that helped our community uh, over the last three years through the pandemic and through some of the natural disasters. And so I look forward to learning. Uh, Many of you who listen on a regular basis, you know that I try to be a very curious person. And there's so much to this organization um, and so much to broader philanthropy. And I think this is a, a, a topic that we only scratch the surface at times in our community and in the world. So I look forward to diving a bit deeper, if we will, on local philanthropy, but also maybe broader philanthropy, and talking about the robust and resilient uh, nature of the uh, Whatcom Community Foundation. So I look forward to having a great conversation with two very, just brilliant humans. Uh, And so stay tuned, grab a cup of coffee, and we'll do some introductions right after the first break. This is Barry Barometer, reporting live from outside Linden Sheet Metal. It appears there is a high level of traffic around the building. I'm going in to investigate. Rose, do you know the cause of all this activity? I do. You have heard about Christmas in July sales. Well, we thought why not do the opposite and have a summer in the New Year event. Hmm. Sounds intriguing. What details can you provide? All gas fireplaces, furnaces, heat pumps, and air conditioners are on sale with discounts up to $900. There are still utility rebates and there are tax credits too. We also offer financing up to 18 months with no interest if paid within terms. Why buy now, Rose? Lots of reasons. To save on utility bills, stay warmer in the winter, and to beat the rush of those who waited and be ready for cooling this summer. There you have it, folks. Call today and take advantage of Linden Sheet Metal's Summer in the New Year event. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest since 1940. This is Steve Berger, Lead Counselor and Director of Contact Counseling Recovery Services. Despite being a fourth-generation Whatcom County resident from a solid, established family, when I was struggling with alcohol and drug addiction, my family didn't know where to turn to help. By the grace of God and a recovery program, I was able to get sober and have devoted the last 34 years of my life helping others find recovery from addiction. If you or a family member is struggling with substance abuse, please contact us at 360-671-3277 or contactcounseling.com. KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. I happen to believe that the Bellingham, Whatcom County, uh, the Fraser River Delta, Nooksack, is an enormous healing area. Each weekday at 4 p.m. I'm the old dog. When I walk down railroad, I'm the one who knows who just got here and who didn't. I see them, they're so angry from where they came from, and then through the years, they mellow out because there's a healing energy here. On KGMI 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Welcome back to the Whatcom Report, a program of the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce. I'm not sure if I introduced myself the first time. I think I did, but just in case, this is Guy Atragrasso, President and CEO of the Chamber. And I am happy to introduce uh, one of our partner organizations with the Chamber. And this is the Whatcom Community Foundation. And so we have uh, Maury Ingram. And I think, is it President CEO or is it Executive Director? Yep, no, President and CEO. President and CEO of the Whatcom Community Foundation. And then the board chair, um, Francisco. And Francisco, help me with your the pronunciation of your last name. Rios. Just Rios. Rios. Okay. Mm-hmm. As someone with a very hard to pronounce last name, who pronounces it incorrectly <laughs> on purpose and intentional, I just I. It's important to make sure that we get it right when it's important to get it right. So. Um, Thank you. Maury, and so thank you both for joining me this morning and having a conversation and helping spread the amazing things that you do as an organization. And so Maury, I'm going to turn the mic over to you to tell us a little bit about more more about who you are. Um, and then we'll kind of hear from Francisco after that. 
Wonderful. Thank you. Um, good morning, everybody. And uh, Guy, thanks so much for this opportunity. We're both really excited to be here. We've been talking about it in anticipation for a while. So we're looking forward to the next little chunk of time together. Um, so as Guy said, I'm Maury Ingram. I have been in the community now for over 30 years, which um, is a little staggering to think about sometimes. And uh, especially in a community where I remember being here for five years or so and people asking how long I'd been in the community and answering five years and and people saying, oh, OK, well, you're not you're not a local one. And <laughs> it's uh, especially when you're in a smaller community where some folks are, are multi-generational um, members of this community. Uh, it, it takes a while to feel like it's your place. And mm -hmm. so I'm happy to say that uh, 30 plus years in, I feel like this is my place. You're official now. Um, I, I, th I think so. I think I can carry the card. And uh, But I'm originally from the Midwest, um, spent some time living in Baltimore and D.C. Um, when I was in my kind of college years and early 20s, and, um, and then spent a little time in Seattle and made my way up to Bellingham and Whatcom County and love it. There are so many fabulous things about this place. Um, my husband and I have two teenage daughters, and um, and I often tell people that I have uh, the best job I can ever imagine. It's different every day, and um, I get to meet and interact with so many different people from so many different geographies in Whatcom County and with so many different experiences. And I think when you're somebody who's a little bit of a, a serial starter, um, I was kind of wondering whether I'd be able to stick with something for a very long time, but this kind of work makes that possible um, and not just possible, but really inspiring and motivating and fun and challenging um, in all the good ways. So um, I think I'll stop there and turn it over to Francisco. Buen dia. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks again also for this opportunity for us to be here and share a little bit about what we're engaged in with the Whatcom Community Foundation. Uh, as Guy mentioned, my name is Francisco Rios, and I uh, was the former dean of the College of Education up at Western Washington University the, um, uh, before retiring just about a year and a half ago. Congratulations and, on that, yes, by the way. Mm -hmm. That's an important part of the next chapter, as they say. Uh, and I've been on the board for six years, and uh, I am in my second year as president, uh, chair of the board. And it's a great group of individuals that I get to work with as a, as, as a board member um, and uh, a person who gets to really watch the amazing work that our staff does in particular around really understanding the most pressing needs our challenge and challenges our communities facing and helping us figure out ways to marshal the resources that uh, might be able to make a difference. Um, I've been in um, Whatcom County now for 12 years, mostly I'm from the mountain states, uh, Colorado and Wyoming most recently. And um, really, one of the things that I love about uh, Whatcom uh, County is just the sheer number of nonprofit organizations that are here to support our community and um, fill just about every gap and every need that you could think of. And so it's really been quite a pleasure. And one other aspect I'll share about my work is that I'm a funder. I'm a donor to the Whatcom, uh, uh, Whatcom uh, Center, uh, Whatcom Community Foundation as are all the other board members and all the other staff. And the reason why I say that is because uh, to me, that's really an indication that we believe in the mission and vision and values of the organization. That's really important to us as individuals uh, that all of us contribute to the, um, to our, via our philanthropic um, uh, opportunities to the community foundations. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And thanks for your support of such great work. And speaking of the work, um, I would imagine, I mean, because there are three, three words, Whatcom Community Foundation could mean a lot of different things. And so in your own words, and I would imagine less technical because there's a big technicality component to the work. Uh, what is a community foundation specifically? What is our community foundation? Great. I can get us started. Um, you know, I think we did a, a video around, gosh, it's got to be more than 10 or 12 years ago now. And one of our board members at the time ended the video by saying that the essence of the community foundation is, is in our middle name and that it really is about the community. And the organization is now 27 years old. Um, what I think is so amazing about it is that we were, you know, all organizations start in their own unique way. 
And the things that I think are I most appreciate about the group that founded the Community Foundation is that they understood really fundamentally that it should always be about the community. And so that's that's evolved a lot over time, but relationships are at the center of, of community. And that's one of the things that we're always looking to deepen and to expand so that we can get to know more people and therefore the experience from different perspectives of what it's like to be here and how easy or not easy it might be to kind of fulfill your, your dreams and your aspirations for yourself and for your family and for the people that you care about. And so the, I think the essence of the community foundation is always asking the question, what can the organization do to help make those things happen, to help make um, living in Whatcom County a place where everyone can, can thrive? And that's really, that's the vision that we have, that everybody who lives here can thrive on their own terms. And um, the, one of the things that our founders really drove home, um, and I think they were, they were so forward thinking without even realizing it, was that they understood that trust was really important and they understood that risk taking was going to be really important. And, you know, when you have the word foundation in your name, people often think about accountability and about trust. And those are really important things. And at the same time, we know that we have to be able to take risks on each other as humans in order to do things differently, in order to get better at what we do. And so all of this stuff sounds sort of um, maybe I'm way too beyond uh, maybe, maybe I'm way too non-technical, but the way that, what does that look like on the ground? Um, we put money out into the community in the form of grants. We help support a whole variety of organizations in a lot of different ways that will definitely get too technical too quickly. But, uh, but that's I'll one pull back. I'll pull us back when we need to. <laughs> okay. Um, but one of the things that we use as an analogy a lot is a Swiss army knife. It's something that most people, if you don't have one, you at least know what it is. And most people know that, um, that it's got a little pocket knife. And so that's the thing that I think of as our, as our grants program. That's the thing that if people know the community foundation, that's what they know about us. But we have a whole bunch of other tools and we use them based on what the community's interested in doing or fixing or thinking about. And um, that can be everything from sometimes loaning a nonprofit organization money. We've done that in the past. We've loaned organizations money to help with housing developments. Um, and, and then sometimes it's just even thinking about ideas with community members. And they may or may not be involved in the nonprofit community. They might be just folks in the community with an idea or a concern. They might be elected officials. They might be staff of, um, of local government. They might be business owners. And one of my, my favorite calls that we get sometimes is every once in a while, somebody will call and say, so I want to talk to you about something. I don't actually know what I think the community foundation can do about it, but I know I feel like I should make this call. And that's kind of the best thing that can happen for us because it means that people think of us as sort of on their speed dial in terms of kind of being a partner and, and being a helper in whatever way that is, that's useful. So yeah. I'll stop there and, and maybe Francisco, what would you, what would you add? Sure. Yeah. I just want to reemphasize, you know, that our mission is about everyone who lives here thrives. And when we say lives here, I want to emphasize that we are a, a countywide foundation. That is, we really are looking out, even though our, um, our uh, offices are located in Bellingham, we really do think lots about uh, people in various parts of our county. And uh, that's an important part of um, our mission uh, of assuring that everyone who lives uh, here thrives. Um, you know, I guess I would say really the way that I think about what a community fund does, it, it's, a, a, it's a, a, a place where people can provide resources, time, talent, funding, so that way we can uh, use those resources to address pressing community needs. Um, Mari mentioned we do this in grant making, but we also do this through student scholarships. We do this by way of uh, impacted investing, uh, for example, investing in community projects, uh, housing projects, for example, uh, are just one example of the kind of ways in which we're using our investing. And we think about that, you know, instead of just investing funds that we get from donors in stocks and bonds and whatever, we also donate that money to local community projects. So, you know, thinking not just of Wall Street, but what what does uh, what do we need on Main Street? So we're thinking always about how do we put monies to work locally and um, and and assure that we can do that as we uh, work to live out our, our mission. 
uh, and vision. Yeah. And and one thing I would add, Guy, too, is that, um, you know, we haven't talked really about donors as a, as a group yet. And what's so mm-hmm. great is Francisco shared that our entire board and staff supports the organization. But it's, you know, we always describe people in, in, in boxes, right? So you've got donors and you've got nonprofit partners. What's wonderful about working at the Community Foundation is that those lines are very blurry. We have all kinds of donors who are not only our staff and board, but who are staff of other nonprofit organizations, or they're folks who have retired here and just moved here last year and they want to give to the community that, uh, that they've chosen, um, we've got folks who contribute $5. We've got folks who've contributed literally $25 million. So this really is the community's foundation. And so it's this mix of the dynamism of a community that's always changing and the, the ability to rely on this foundation that is here for, for the community no matter what. And so I think that kind of touches back on some of the, the challenges that the communities faced um, that you talked about a while ago. But I think it's really important to highlight that working with donors, we want to know what they care about. And one of the things that they come to us for is that they want to know what the community cares about. What does the community need? What does the community want to see happen? And, and that's not something that we answer in, in the boardroom at the Community Foundation. That's something that the community is generating all the time. And it's our job to stay connected to that information and those ideas and to be a part of those conversations. Yeah. Well, thank you both. That was a great explanation. I was going to say exclamation, exclamation and explanation of uh, what I would say the Community Foundation does. And you didn't use the word philanthropy very much at all. And so I think that's really an interesting nuance to the work and to the success of our community foundation. So we're going to continue the dialogue, uh, but first we've got to take a break. So stay tuned. Honey, look what I brought home. Not a cat. You know I'm allergic. Well, you know what they say. When the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> Why didn't you just call Biobug? Have you had enough of playing cat and mouse? Biobug Pest Management is here to help. Whether you have rats or mice in your business, residence, or commercial building, Biobug is committed to providing a solution that's right for you. To learn more and get your free quote, visit Biobug.com. Biobug Pest Management. Service you trust, experience you expect. Now hiring service you go to great lengths to keep your carpet clean kids get out of the living room you spend your days scolding loved ones honey take your shoes off trying to create an invisible shield to keep all the dirt and stains out welcome to our home and just please stay on the plastic okay from summer's barbecue stains to your kids' dirty cleats, call Swans today or visit them online at swanscarpetcleaning.com. Wilson's Furniture's winter sale is going on now. Your chance to save storewide on living, dining, bedroom furniture and mattresses at the best prices of the year. Stop at Wilson's Furniture today. It's Wilson's Furniture's annual winter sale going on now. Wilson's on Pacific Highway in Ferndale. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. He sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. For many military veteran caregivers, their caregiving journey starts earlier in life and lasts longer. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Sign up for the CHS Northwest Propane Autofill Program and receive a cellular tank monitor with no monitoring fees. Plus, you'll be able to review your daily tank level readings from your smartphone or tablet. CHS Northwest, everything you need for home and farm. Online at chsnw.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Welcome back to the Whatcom Report. This is a program of the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce in partnership with 790 KGMI News Talk Radio. And we're here with Maury and Francisco of the Whatcom Community Foundation. And we just I'm still like contemplating all of the content uh, in the last segment because it was just such a beautiful description of what, you know, where vision of an organization meets the mission of the organization. And so, as I said just before the break, we didn't mention the word philanthropy much at all. And so the Community Foundation is, by definition, I guess, a philanthropic organization. And so what is philanthropy? 
like just that simple question. I'd be kind of curious to to hear both of your thoughts on that. Uh, well, what I love about philanthropy is that the root of it in language is literally just loving humans. And that's really the way we interpret it. I think, especially in this country, we often think about philanthropists and philanthropy as always um, involving money. But philanthropy is really kind of, it's almost like a philosophy or a value. And that's, we try to practice it. And I think that when we think about, um, there's a, a kind of a framework for different types of giving. And on, the, on one end of the spectrum is, is charity. And the concept of charity is really around meeting basic needs. So food banks, shelter, all of those kinds of things. And they are, they're important. Um, we, I mean, many people literally could not live without charity, uh, which is sad to say in a, in a country with the resource that we have, but it's true. And, and then beyond that, there's, there's really what I would say is kind of the full throttle practice of philanthropy, which is, which means that we design everything that we do in our interactions personally and in our systems in a way that works for as many people as possible. That's really that's really loving humans. When we think about how do we make it possible for people to be healthy and successful and, um, and how do we really take care of each other? And that is an expression of community. So that's part of, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. So I think I'll stop. Right. Yeah. We can't go into a full, you know, <laughs> cause again, I'm sure we could, I mean, there's the nuances of the word and just, I think it's important for people to understand what does that word mean? Um, and again, the difference of charity, too. I mean, I think when mm -hmm. everybody has see, their... Yeah, absolutely, Francisco. Yeah, and I see a kind of an important distinction as well. And and I think one of the things for me about the philanthropic work that we're engaged in is we're, we are thinking much more longer term. As Mari mentioned, oftentimes charities are much more immediate. We're also thinking more strategically. Um, we're thinking about, um, you know, how can we advocate on behalf of... Um, you know, greater the need for greater housing. Uh, how can we advocate in terms of more childcare? Um, how can we advocate in terms of youth mental health? So we're thinking, I think, in that longer term, uh, with a longer term focus and a more systems kind of focus. Um, now, that's not to say that we also don't try to meet immediate and short term needs. So, for example, the flooding that occurred uh, in North County, we were there almost immediately from day one and providing immediate and direct support uh, for individuals. And um, so, but in terms of just the, the broadest sense of our work, the, the stuff that we work on uh, most of our time, we're thinking about these issues. We're thinking about them in terms of what are their long-term implications? How, what's their causes? What can we do to mitigate those causes? And then what are the impacts and how can we, what can we do as a community uh, foundation to try to, uh, assure that people can still um, thrive and be resilient within those um, situations and settings. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I often think of us as a chamber, right? We are not in philanthropy, but we're in problem solving, right? Whether that problem solving is a business needs to make connections to thrive and succeed or big problems like housing and childcare. Wow, there's some overlap there. Um, and so one of the, um, I guess the location, um, is in partnership with some other philanthropic organizations. And so talk to us about the center for philanthropy and what is it, who's involved, had it come to happen? Absolutely. Uh, the Center for Philanthropy is at 1500 Cornwall Avenue, right downtown. We're located in the um, second floor of the Washington Federal Bank building at the corner of Champion and Cornwall and in downtown Bellingham. And um, it came about because we have three community philanthropies, meaning that we're all funded by the community. And that's different from a private foundation or a family foundation and those, the other, our partners in that work are the Chuckanut Health Foundation, which some folks might know formerly as the St. Luke's Foundation, and then United Way of Whatcom County. And we had already started to get together with other funders in the community, some of the larger corporations, um, some of the colleges and university in the university, and um, have conversations about um, how we could better serve 
all of Whatcom County with the dollars that we have to put to work and with other and, and in other ways. And as we were um, as we were looking at, at our future needs, um, particularly the, the three organizations that I mentioned that are community philanthropies, um, we realized that we had an opportunity to do something a different and to share space. Um, to share meeting rooms and and most importantly to be able to kind of cross paths with one another in the hallway and have more conversations not just with the people the th- three people leading the organizations but with our whole teams and mm-hmm. so we moved into this building uh, let's see gosh eight years eight plus years ago now and it has been um, tremendous now COVID obviously uh, changed a lot of that for a while but most of us are back in the office a lot of the time and um what we were really trying to set out to do was find new and different ways to be, again, of better use, greater, greater value to the community and particularly through the nonprofit organizations that we work with. So a lot of organizations, again, pre-COVID could come and use our meeting space, which also gave us, gave them kind of a one-stop shop to come and connect with, um, with our organizations and also to meet with other folks. And so we continue to strive to do that together. Um, and during the pandemic, one of the things that we did was meet regularly to figure out, we, we had one um, application for folks that needed funding and we all worked together to figure out how we could bring resources together to, to fulfill some of those needs. And the goal there was to make it easy for, for organizations, one application, not two or three, and uh, that we would really try to turn resources around as quickly as we could. So I think there's, you know, however well-intentioned we are, we can all improve in the way that we kind of deliver on our mission. And so that's something that we are striving to do uh, together on an ongoing basis with um, with Chuckanut and with United Way. Well, and I think we should all, I mean, because we are to our next break, but we should all do that. Like innovation and technology changes should drive that innovation inside organizations anyway. Um, we don't all have eight track players in our vehicles anymore for that very reason. Uh, but as I said, we are to our next break. So stay tuned and we will be right back. Nugent's Corner Market and Hardware is your locally owned and operated grocery and hardware store. Proud to source delicious and healthy food from local farmers, producers, ranchers, and fishers. And proud to serve the residents and visitors of the Mount Baker foothills. Whatever you need, there's a very good chance you'll find it at the Nugent's Corner Market and Hardware. At a fair price. Make the Nugent's Corner Market and Hardware your first and last stop of the day. Nugent's Corner Market and Hardware. Open seven days a week from 8 until 8. 62, 63, 64, Medicare. So many of us get hung up on our age, but what we fail to realize, we've been paying for health insurance since we were old enough to work, which means we may actually be getting a raise once we're on Medicare. Sound complicated? Let D&D Insurance help make the complicated task of enrolling for your health insurance a little less complicated. I'm Derek, and my wife Denise and I, along with our amazing staff of family and friends, keep things running here at D&D Insurance. We try to help anyone and everyone navigate this ever-changing world of health insurance. Whether you're retiring and trying to figure out Medicare supplements and Medicare Advantage plans, an employer looking for better benefits for your employees, or you're self-employed and needing a plan for yourself and family, we're here to help. Give us a call at 392-8159. See you at D&D Insurance, where we try to make the complicated uncomplicated. In the shop. It makes me sad. It makes me uncomfortable to have to say, yeah, well, it is a nice car. Love the color of the paint. You know, the seats feel great. (laughs) Kirk from Angler, Brian from Dr. John's, and Dan from Bellingham and Burlington Automotive. You need (laughs) 10,000 bucks worth of repairs. Join them on In the Shop, 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city. But sometimes, things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. 
Every day, KGMI brings you the latest news and information, and we also give you a chance to express your opinion on a major news story of the day. Go to KGMI.com anytime and take part in our daily news poll to see what others are thinking and add your voice. We'll have an update during the KGMI afternoon news, and we'll give you a final tally and a new question each day during the KGMI morning news. Be part of the conversation with the KGMI daily news poll, another informative and free feature from KGMI. The Big Seattle Boat Show. It's the West Coast's largest display of boats, gear, and accessories. Presented by Union Marine and Port of Seattle, February 3rd through the 11th. Indoors at Lumen Field Event Center and afloat at Bell Harbor Marina. Featuring fun family activities and attractions and dozens of free fishing, boating, and sailing seminars. The Boat Show, the Boat Show, the Big Seattle Boat Show. Get off-road, on the water, and into the Big Seattle Boat Show. For tickets, promotions, and parking information, visit seattleboatshow.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. We are here with the Walkham Report, a program of the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce, and we're here with um, our guests this morning, Maury and Francisco from the Whatcom Community Foundation. And Francisco, um, in the last segment, you alluded to the work, and I would say the outstanding, amazing work that the Community Foundation did in response to the flooding. Um, I would say the Community Foundation responded quicker than some of our government's agencies and, or- and other organizations did for the flooding. So, A, thank you. Um, but also, what came out of that, at least I think it was out of that, or maybe it was, I don't even remember anymore. It's been a crazy couple of years. I want to talk about the Resilience Fund. And I think the Resilience Fund was used for that process. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was created for the pandemic, right? <laughs> Help fill right. me in here. Yeah, actually, I think we had uh, ha- had already started to think about a resilience fund even prior to the COVID uh, pandemic. But clearly, the COVID pandemic and then uh, not too soon after the flooding in North County really brought to life for us um, how important it was to have a resilience fund, a fund that would be able to um, provide that flexible but immediate funding that, as you mentioned, sometimes uh, due to a variety of restrictions, uh, city and state and federal governments can't do or can do at a slower pace. Um, And uh, we were able to use uh, the resilience funding that we had and then um, to get a greater amount of funding towards, uh, for example, for the flood recovery um, as part of the resilience fund. And we're, we're continuing to think about and build that resilience fund because we know that, that these disasters are not over. Um, the next pandemic is who knows when that's going to happen. It could be a variety of other natural uh, disasters that could occur. And we want to make sure that we're not only uh, there in terms of providing immediate relief, but also thinking about um, what can we do again early on to mitigate potential challenges. And then thinking about not just the short-term recovery, but what kind of things might be necessary for the long-term. So that's kind of the way that we've been thinking about the Resilience Fund and invite Maury to kind of share some thoughts she has about it as well. Yeah, I think as Francisco said, the the fund itself existed. Um, It didn't have a lot in it um, initially because it was really just a placeholder and an idea. Um, But I think what's great about it is that it's it's designed to be flexible. And it's, it's always a little odd to say, that it's an evergreen fund when you're talking about disasters and crises, because evergreen sounds so great and cheerful. But that's that's kind of the point that that we always have this resource that can be flexible and respond to whatever the community needs are. And then to Francisco's point, um, will allow us to be better prepared as a community. And so we've been very fortunate 
uh, particularly I'm thinking about the flooding because none of us mm -hmm. had ever been through a pandemic before, but lots of organizations and communities have unfortunately faced floods and wildfires and other, other um, disasters. And so one of the things to, as sort of a companion to the dollars in the resilience fund that we were able to do was to reach out to um, our counterpart organizations, community foundations and other places. Um, we reached out to the Baton Rouge area community foundation and they were phenomenal resources for us. Um, they even they even made a contribution to the fund um, because they they knew how hard it was, uh, they knew what it was like, and we actually had multiple. The Alaska Community Foundation made a contribution when the flooding occurred, so um, it was it was pretty extraordinary. And I think again the flexibility um, and and then the multiple partners. You know, you mentioned guy. There were a lot of people who responded mm -hmm. um, to the flooding and. And really, you got to work with the people that show up. And we were yeah. lucky because not only did we have some incredible organizations show up, but we also had amazing, truly amazing individuals on the ground, particularly in the most affected areas of the flooding, who who rallied uh, to just try to figure out how how to help their neighbors, literally help their neighbors. And so yeah. we were fortunate. Um, um, yeah, I'll stop there. There's some little tidbits to share, but well, and I think, yeah. It's, the, I remember, and this was pushing six, seven years ago now, more you and I, I think had lunch somewhere and we're walking back to our offices talking about uh, disaster recovery, right? Like this is something we will have disasters of various types and we need to be thoughtful in our response to them. It goes back to that innovative and technology, right? Like we can't, we can't base success off a book that was built 30 years ago because our technologies have changed and how we interact as humans have changed. Um, and I want to ping next on uh, something that you mentioned at the very beginning of the show, and that is it's more than just giving dollars out. It's an investment. It's sometimes creating things new. Uh, and one of the other projects that I'm very excited about is the Millworks projects. And so tell us a little bit about what's going on there. And if you have an update, it would be great to, to hear that too. Absolutely. Uh, we're very excited about Millworks. Um, if folks want to learn more, they can go to millworksproject.org and learn a lot more. So um, really the idea started out with a local food campus. We had been doing a lot of work for almost 15 years now in the local food system, working with a lot of the nonprofits who work in that arena, working with some businesses. Um, you know, as you know, the, the spectrum of food and ag production in Whatcom County is pretty impressive. And we already have a lot of tremendous assets. And we knew that there was an opportunity to, to maybe fill a missing piece. And that would be uh, a place where a lot of those businesses and nonprofit organizations could come together to do some incubation work, to do some training and education, and to just feature our local ag production and our local ag economy um, in a, a really centralized location. Downtown Bellingham is the, the most um, frequently visited tourist destination in Whatcom County. So let's get our local food production um, in, in front of everybody who visits downtown Bellingham. And so we were looking for sites and um, we located, uh, we've located the project on the waterfront site that the Port of Bellingham currently owns. Um, they've been a tremendous partner in uh, only um, working with us on the project, but also really pushing us in very helpful ways to do more. And so we took the idea to them and they said, hey, we love this and we want to see more density of activity on this site. So what else might you imagine adding to the project. And so we had already had some other concepts kind of bubbling in the background and we landed on meeting some of the needs that are critical. And we've already touched on them before affordable housing, childcare um, as two primaries. And then the, uh, another component of that, which we may talk a little bit more about is, um, is employee ownership. And so we're working on creating a statewide center for employee ownership. And again, that's a little bit of a separate conversation that we can loop back to if we have time. Um, but all of those things in one place, little 3.3 acre site at the corner of Cornwall and Laurel. And um, right now, uh, the first phase of that project, which we're doing in partnership with Mercy Housing 
Fest is um, has broken ground um, already, and we're going to be celebrating that groundbreaking in the spring. But right now, they're they're starting construction. That's going to be 83 units of um, permanently affordable rental housing and a six classroom early learning center that's going to be run by the YMCA. So awesome. lots lots of bells and whistles on that. Yeah. Um, again, building something out of dirt sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So we are to our uh, next break. So we'll be right back. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory-trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. Are you thinking about retirement and wondering if you can even afford to retire? Are you concerned with layoffs at your company and wondering how you would afford individual or COBRA insurance for your family if you should lose your group coverage? Do you know if you or your dependents qualify for tax credits through the Washington Health Plan Finder? Tune in this Saturday at noon to hear Marcia Neal, Senior Agent at Vibrant USA, explain how working with an independent broker can help put your mind at ease and give you the answers you need as you prepare for your future. Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by Vibrant USA, Pacific Security, Lighthouse Mission Ministries, Feller Heating and Air Conditioning, and Columbia Fire. Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to the Whatcom Report. We're here with Maury and Francisco from the Whatcom Community Foundation. And I, I think we're going to launch into this final larger segment, uh, talking about something I, I think, Maury, you, you keyed it on, but I think Francisco's got some unique perspective on it, is the employee ownership um, project, for lack of a better word. So tell us a little bit more about that. Um, it's I would say it's really an initiative. And... We're working on it like everything we do in partnership with a lot of other organizations. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about what the community foundation does, but we are literally nothing without the partners that we work with. And so in this case, we're working with a lot of folks, including you and the chamber guy, um, on an employee ownership initiative to make sure that more business owners and more employees and just more people in the community know more about it. And particularly right now, because we have so many um, baby boomers in our community who own businesses who are getting ready to exit that ownership role and what's going to happen to those businesses. And we've got, I think the number for Whatcom County alone is um, it's in the thousands um, in terms of number of businesses that are, um, that are at risk. And so they might close, they might get purchased and then get split up or downsized, yeah. you know, lots, <laughs> lots of risks. And- yeah, and I think that's one of the, if I, this is one of the areas that we have partnered with. Um, and I know some people are very cautious about uh, employee ownership uh, systems, and we shouldn't be, right? This is a way to keep jobs in our community. And I think from a chamber perspective, that is why I'm an advocate, even on a state level, for this, is I want to see our local workforce stay a local workforce. So Exactly. Yeah, and we know that employee ownership isn't right for everybody, but for a lot of people, it's a very promising um, avenue to explore. And so we want to make sure that people have the the information and the resources that they need in order to explore the option. And and if it does seem like a good fit for them to pursue it, and to your point, it preserves jobs, which preserves revenue, 
Um, it's, uh, there's just so many benefits to it. And they, they start with the, with the seller. If you're talking about a business converting to employee ownership and not only that, but employees, once they become owners, compensation is improved. Their retirement is better. Um, they tend to have more retirement assets. Um, they, the businesses themselves, um, and there, there was a study done, uh, following COVID, um, businesses that are employee owned were less likely to have layoffs. So they're more resilient. That was true. Um, also, they did a study after the 2008 recession. Same story. So um, and then all of those benefits also accrue to the community because people right. see themselves differently when when they're an owner. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're part of a part of a, a business ownership, all of a sudden you see yourself differently as a part of the community as a whole. And so there's more civic engagement. People are just more involved in things. So all of those things are, the benefits are really almost endless. And so, um, so this statewide center idea is creating a place where people can get the information and the introductions and where we can help make sure that all of the incredible professional business advisors that we have in the community also have access to the information that they need in order to serve their clients really well. So um, it's exciting. There's actually a bill right now in the state Senate that's about to go into the Ways and Means Committee um, that is about employee ownership. And so that's one of the ways, one of the things that we're, um, that we're involved in helping to promote and, and help shape. Great. One of the other things that I know that has been a core tenant uh, for a number of years is youth philanthropy. And so let's talk a little bit about that, too. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to share with it as a former secondary school teacher at the Innova <laughs> College of Ed. This actually speaks to my heart. Uh, we have two projects, actually, two things that we're working right now to address the specific needs of youth. And one is right now um, we have uh, our reviewing grant applications for youth mental health. Um, funding. We know that uh, the data is pretty clear that especially after the COVID, um, but even before that, there were significant numbers of students battling mental health. And you can imagine how difficult it would be to learn when you're mm -hmm. coping with depression and anxiety and um, suicide ideation and a variety of other things that kind of come along with it. Um, and then um, one of the other things that I, I'm really is so excited about is our youth philanthropy project wherein we bring youth together we get them to think about what the community uh, needs mostly in terms of environmental funding uh, funding for environmental purposes that also speak to what youth uh, think and feel and then we actually um, allocate a, a pot of money for them to actually be able to um, make recommendations to the board with respect to the grant applications that they receive so they actually are getting tangible, concrete, real, authentic opportunities mm -hmm. to learn what philanthropies do and to think about how, how difficult it is to make decisions about who gets funded and who doesn't. But if you root it in values and vision and what you care most about, you can make really good decisions. Um, you know, both, I would say both employee ownership and all the youth philanthropy projects the, is just a, uh, a bit of, uh, of a view of what the Community Foundation is doing uh, in total, I have to admit, uh, the first, my first couple of meetings, I had to actually do a little diagram for myself about all the things that the Whatcom Community Foundation is engaged in. And it's very, very impressive. Yeah. So we have about a minute and a half left in this segment. So what are some of the other projects and programs of the foundation? Uh, before we do that, I do want to just mention that our youth philanthropy program just launched last night for 2023. And this is something that kids can participate in over multiple years. And it is so incredible to see how excited they are, uh, how curious they are. And one of the things that the returning students note is that they really want to make sure that um, they have conversations where their opinion is challenged. And so learning when you're in high school, how to do that, how to really uh, pursue challenging conversations is just, it's exciting because that's the way we really build community. Yeah, so conflict is not a bad thing. It's just something, it's a thing. Exactly. Um, and so launching from that into what's next, I think for us, um, we're really focused on continuing to both deepen and build new relationships. The more folks we know in the community, um, the more, the, the better we can represent um, to folks who want to invest in the community, uh, how to do that, what the needs and opportunities are. And so we're excited about having a lot more conversations. 
the coming year while we work on building out um, millworks. We're, we're working on phase two, um, which has got some of those other bells and whistles we talked about. And, um, and then as Francisco mentioned, um, in addition to our youth mental health grant round, we've got another round of Project Neighborly coming up. And that is one I'm gonna let Francisco talk about. Yeah, sure. So Project Neighborly is just an opportunity for um, formal organizations, but even sometimes just informal community groups to come together, um, ask for some funding that will help to build that sense of community, um, that sense of uh, neighborliness, actually in the word. And uh, we were amazed at the projects and ideas that, that small groups of individuals came up with to, to help them to figure out how do they create more robust relationships with and among each other in a particular uh, area or a particular region of, of the county. And it, it's just been an incredible project. Um, we paused it after COVID because obviously there was a lot of, um, it was going to be more difficult to build neighborliness on a Zoom. Yeah, but, totally. uh but uh, we're coming back to it, and that's a good sign uh, that yeah. both. Uh, Those are some are... great programs that came out of that, out of that first round. So Amazing. I look forward to seeing the next round. We are to our final break, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're used to bundling up this time of year, but outside, not in your own home. Hi, Joe T in here for my friends at West Mechanical, heating, air conditioning, and electric, your independent train dealer. You won't have to wear a bulky sweater inside with a new train heating system that's a perfect fit. Their pros analyze your home and give you an honest assessment of your best options. And West Mechanical has some great financing options for up to 72 months. Subject to credit approval, call for details. If your system is still working, regular service by the West Mechanical pros will keep it in top condition for its longest life possible. And it's not too late to schedule an appointment. They check and service mine each year, and I'm confident we'll be comfortable all season long. The train comfort specialists at West Mechanical are the best of the best, and they back up their work with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Get to know the great folks at West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net. That's westmechanical.net. And remember, it's hard to stop a train. Enjoy your retirement at Meadow Greens, a retirement community offering warm, welcoming, independent, and assisted living apartments. Located on a premier golf course in beautiful Linden with panoramic views of green rolling hills and snow-capped mountains, Meadow Greens offers a fitness center, wellness programs, tailored social and recreational activities, and complimentary unlimited golf play with cart at Homestead Golf Club. One- and two-bedroom apartments with full kitchens are available, offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a more social meal at the Outward Nine Restaurant or the Duck Hook Bistro. Then relax with a glass of wine with friends or cozy up next to the fireplace with a good book in the library lounge. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. Maury and Francisco, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, great representation of everything that the Community Foundation is and does for our community. So for those that want to learn a little bit more, what do they need to do? They should go to WatcomCF, as in communityfoundation.org, and they can read about everything that we talked about. And if they're interested in signing up for our newsletter, which is Drive, they can do that on the website as well. Wonderful. Thank you both so much for joining me this morning. And I look forward to years and years of partnership with the organization with both of you individually. Thanks. Thank Thanks you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next week.